Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Hey, guys, why don't we eat? Dear, don't cause a fuss. I'll have your spam. I love it. I'm having spam, spam, spam. Cornflakes! 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 Anyone fancy a pint? Suit you, sir. Spam, 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 baked beans, spam, 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 and spam! I said I don't want any damn vegetables. Lentils are really good, you know? Mmm, forbidden donut. Finger snaps. <laughs> that one wasn't quite on. I'm fired. Twelve oh two here on the Three Triple R FM. You're listening to the afternoon as we slide off into a glorious long weekend. The weather's good. We're feeling nice. We've been out for dinner. I'm here with <laughs> Matt. The scientists were great. All is at peace with the world. It really somewhat. is. I, uh, I, I had, hello, Cameron Smith. Hello, dear listener, you're listening hello, to Matt. Triple R. Uh, it's just gone midday. I was, um, we were in the city yesterday and it feels slightly odd walking around with no mask. I mean, it's great, of course. It's good. Yes. Uh, but it just feels, it's, it's, we were just saying before the show to uh, panel Peter Kent how conditioned you become over 10 weeks to certain rules and things and to now not have to abide by them. And it's, procedures. Yes. But it's good. Oh, you're putting your little thing there on your mic. There we go. There we go. Yeah. It's just been safe in the studio because uh, things have uh, gotten better in the restaurant uh, situation. They sure have. Uh, we remain safe here in beautiful downtown East Brunswick. And, yes. Um, yeah, well, that's what we're doing. One of the protocols is we put uh, little covers over the microphones. But, yes, being in town, I went in on Thursday. Yep. Uh, it was, I think it was a little bit quieter than what you experienced. I think it would have been, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was also really – we had those uh, bands of rain that came through. Yes, it's Mother Nature welcoming the easing of restrictions with if, cyclonic winds. Yeah, it was like if you've got asthma, hide in the house was uh, – <laughs> Was sort of the advice, wasn't it? And quite a lot of, you know, damage down on the coast. So, you know, not a, not a necessarily pleasant way to start your long weekend. So hopefully everyone's safe. Indeed, and that'll be a theme in the show today. We talked to John about um, terrible damage being done to the tomato crops and glass houses oh, right. in South Australia. Yes. We're joined by Duncan Buchanan, uh, who we have a beautiful theme for. And uh, he'll be talking again about uh, hail damage that's happened in South Australia. Yeah. Uh, amongst other things that are happening within his world mm-hmm. of wine. And I'm kind of excited, mm-hmm. actually I'm very excited, to uh, we're going to be talking with, you know, there are, there are a few people in this world that are defined by just one name. <laughs> yes. Ronaldo. Madonna. Madonna. Sure. Stephanie. <laughs> uh, yes, so we're going to be talking to the... 
Stephanie, uh, her of uh, the Order of Australia, her of um, immense experience in uh, in fine dining in this town. Yes, uh, the Kitchen Garden Foundation specifically. Yes, twenty years. 20, 20 years. years of, I remember of teaching little tackers. I remember you, we had Stephanie Alexander on the show when that program launched, and we were talking to her about, oh, is it really, you know, okay to give kids knives and things? And but that's right, she was all over it. She was cool. Yes, and twenty. The, 20 yes, years I give on. the kids knives. Yes. It's like telling and them, that was the of course of I let them drink gin. <laughs> You know, a little bit of tonic. But 20 years of doing transformative things in schools and now mm. other areas uh, teaching people, is it a lost art? Am I gilding the lily a little bit by saying the lost art of growing and your own food? But anyway, very... If there's anyone who is keeping that alive and promoting um, an alternative to the marketing nightmares that we have on our TVs yes. of uh, there's no way you could cut a pumpkin, open this tin, <laughs> you know, because let's face it, folks, the whole idea of marketers is to de-skill the population. Ooh, controversial. Oh, I've said this for years. Mm. I mean, it was, and it wasn't me that said this first. It was Cherry Ripe, who was a, mm. a very well-known writer, still around and yes. writing. And I remember there was something that... Um, leapt off the page to me where she said, and I've said it to you, mm. cooking is a political act. Yes. Yeah. Huh? Mm-hmm. Huh? Huh? Um, and, um, and one of the great things that Stephanie does is she gives us and encourages children to understand the growing process, the cooking process, conviviality of the table, yes, which is very, very important. And it's 20 years of that and also 20 years of eagle claw. Oh, that's great. Unfortunately, <laughs> this is not a visual medium, but uh, I just had I just Matt's... Gave you the blankest look. <laughs> no, you didn't. You did, you did eyebrows. You, did, you gave uh, me eyebrows. You went... Bleh. Yeah, eagle claw. So if you got if you got a pen, yeah, hold your pen, holding like that, yeah, no, like like, like yeah. that, no, no, pointing down, yeah. So holding the pen like that, that is the way that you carry your knife oh. in the kitchen. So you can't stab anyone. So can you describe what yeah, you're, how you're holding? How informative yeah. for everyone who can yeah, see yeah. this right now. So, take I, it, so take it, it's basically uh, pointing to the ground vertically. Yep, uh, and you sort of you hang onto it at the top. Yep, without with your hand not wrapped around it. You no, just. Not like you're going to stab. No, I don't stab. No, but that way, uh, if you drop the knife, you can just let it fall. But mm. that's a safe way to carry knives. And um, and this is the great thing that there is this this trust um, in the kids to do that. And also, these things will carry through with you for many years. And and by having Stephanie for doing this for so long, there's mm. generations who have been absolutely. Now empowered to do that and we'll talk to her about that legacy but we'll be doing that very very soon mm. uh we do the uh the one two three what's, what's that, that in your mouth? mouth ladies and gentlemen well um you got to go out where to any highlights oh so we uh as i say we jumped on the tram yesterday which was in itself an, an experience that we haven't done for 10 weeks ago. Hmm. um but no we went and one of our absolute uh post lockdown faves is one of the i think one of the Nicest places to sit and eat in Melbourne. The, the second best uh, sushi in Melbourne. <laughs> yes, okay. No, really? It, it? No, I know it is, but yeah. uh, it, uh, probably it's pretty close. Probably so not the way you want to market it. But we're talking, of course, of uh, <laughs> Kisame in the city on Flinders Lane. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Kisame? Sure. Uh, Maybe Kisame. Japanese. Kisame. Uh, and, you know, just one of the, the nicest things in Melbourne to sit there at the sushi counter and watch the chefs do their work. And it's something that, you know, we've really missed in. Lockdown, because, I mean, you can get takeaway sushi, but it's just not the same when you're uh, at a really uh, premium place to have someone actually cut the fish in front of you and then assemble it into the little nigiri and, and give it to you. Yeah. Um, and then you just take it all in one bite. It's just extraordinary. And there's, there's people on your right-hand side going, more sake? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sake. So, yeah, all was well with the world with us yesterday, yeah. uh, just sitting at that sushi counter. You've been sitting at a counter too, Ken. I, I did. I had the, the same sort of experience, mm. uh, different area of the world that is um, is being concentrated on. Uh, I was lucky enough to be at my favourite table, yes. which is right at the end of the bar at Bar Larinia in Little Collins Street. Yep. 
Uh, Matt and Joe, who are the patrons of that place, have uh, it's been around for about 15 years now. I think. Yeah, I think it has. And it was just wonderful. Mm. And I had my first uh, Negroni. Oh, made well by done. someone else. Well done. Which was uh, just divine. And just this procession of just. That's oh, got the gift in the fact that, you know, when simple food, but, mm. but subtle and, and thoughtful. Mm. And anyway, it was just divine. And it's really just good to see, you know, all of your favourite places, cafes or restaurants or bars, and they're just sort of rubbing their eyes and waking up again. Now, it's the start of a very difficult period for them all. You know, we were talking before yeah. the show about staffing challenges and obviously, you know, you've had six months of, of no trade again and you've still got rent, but um, mm. it's still a good feeling in the city, isn't it? It's the things that are happening again, it's good. Sure is, and one of the things um, I might just quickly mention before we uh, get on to Stephanie mm. Alexander... Uh, first of all, I hear, heard it on the grapevine that uh, guest of the show, friend of the show, uh, Victor Leong of yes. Li Ho Fook mm. down there in Duckboard Place, mm-hmm. uh, the little laneway up in Flinders Lane, he's doing yum chars on the weekend. Ooh. And I would suggest to you that if you want a yum char fix with some extraordinary stuff. Another thing that you haven't been able to do during lockdown, very hard to replicate mm. yum char at home unless yep. you're very committed. And we should also acknowledge the fact and yes. a big round of applause that it's World Vegan Day tomorrow. Yes. So, yeah. Give right. your vegans a hug and may their numbers increase. <laughs> Go on, give me hug a hug. Vegan hug Day. a Vegan Day. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, and with, share with some con- food. You know, seek consent. But then <clears throat> give them a hug. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, you are listening to 3 FM. We're going to be back with Stephanie Alexander. But before we do, sponsorship announcements go something like this. Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. Thanks so much for being here. It means a lot. It is 12.14 here on the trip and we are delighted to be able to chat with Stephanie Alexander. A very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Stephanie, how you been? It's been a while since I've seen you. I'm always busy. Oh, we know that. Uh, I think we can take that one for granted. Always got plenty on the go. Yes, Yes. and uh, you will never die wondering. No. No, that's right. Um, Stephanie, I wanted really... uh, One of the main things um, I reached out for you to do was really just um, what I did when I texted you the other day, just to offer my very, very sincere and hearty congratulations on the Kitchen Garden Foundation. 20 years. It seems to... It's quite extraordinary, really, but it's gone in a flash, you might say. It has, because in a a bit of a... I sort of describe it as a bit of a Forrest Gump move in myself... Um, I was there at the at that first turning of the soil uh, down there at Hoddle Street. You were indeed, and uh, I remember it well, Cam. I was sure I had a shovel in one hand. Yes. Um, it was very, very hands-on. Mm. Uh, not so hands-on these days, well, part, quite apart from COVID having changed the nature of... Everything. Of everything. Yeah. Um, but really, it's been very intense. 20 years, and I'd have to say something different happens every day. Let's have a, um, a just to, to look back at uh, how it all came about. What were the original aims of the, the Kitchen Garden Foundation and, and what has been achieved? Well, I think, I think originally it was the aims were rather woolly in yeah. the sense that I, I was very definitely wanting to find a way of introducing young people to really lovely food and I wasn't quite sure how to do it but it did seem to me that learning how to grow some stuff and then being able to be helped to deal with it, cook, yes. harvest it and cook it and of course eat it together was probably was probably what I was thinking of but it certainly wasn't spelled out I didn't spell it out on paper or even in my head I just sort of went with the flow that I thought I had been introduced to um, Francis Lorino, the then principal of Collingwood College, who was quite concerned about the way many of her students were or were not eating. I then also met Basil Natoli, who was involved with Cultivating Community, 
and they had a brief to sort of deal with gardening in the community. Yes. And they were looking at for a way to continue their work. And somehow the sort of everything aligned. And Francis said, when I said, how about we try and create a section, oh, an edible garden in a little bit of the ground? Yep. Instead of her saying, what a ridiculous idea, she said, that sounds like a good oh, idea. That sounds like a good and, idea. <laughs> and so I felt I had a, a, some support. And I had a wonderful personal assistant at the time, Anna, Anna Dollard, and she was um, right with me, thinking how important it was. We'd also been influenced by Alice Waters from Berkeley in California, who was doing something similar, but in a single school. So was I in a single school at that stage. But... um, so we just ploughed on. We just dug up the, a bit of garden. We found a group of teachers and parents. Got a shovel? Extru- uh, uh, yeah, and th- th- but they were very supportive, and I think that was that needs to be remembered, that certainly all along it cannot, could not ever have happened without uh, like-minded people who joined in, who felt, saw the wisdom of what we were trying to do and got enthusiastic. And so we we started and we built the first garden. And really, it's gone on from there, Cam. I mean, things went wrong, or always things go wrong. Yep. Um, we got... First, that we realised after about three days that one of the things that you needed was money. Um, and, you know, that had sort of been something I hadn't really thought creatively or properly about. Yes. So we started our... Uh, 20-year program of applying for grants. You and, needed a, um, a spreadsheet jockey. Oh, God. Well, I mean, we're still doing that. Yes. <laughs> like almost like all not-for-profit organisations, you do depend on support from, somewhat, from somewhere. We have been very fortunate in having a lovely mix of support from government, from philanthropists, from corporates, um, all, all and some, not necessarily always all together, mm. but um, it has been a constant need to fund the program as it's grown. And, of course, it has grown dramatically from that one school um, to now incorporating a lot of early learning centres, some secondary schools, and I think we're probably up to about 1,500 schools or educational centres who are members of our organisation. So, long way from one school. Yeah, and 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 you've also broken out of the city too because you're you're in the regions. Um, oh, I've got absolutely. a good buddy We're of mine. We're all over Australia. Yes, uh, in in tiny tiny schools in remote communities, um, very big schools. We've got schools in the in um, Kununurra, and uh, you know, it is an amazing. Pre-COVID, when we were visiting schools, yep. we, some of that was a, have been the highlights of my 20 years, have been tagging along with the support team when they went off to introduce a new school or a group of schools to how to put the program into practice or give some training or whatever, whatever it was. So I really got to visit a very, very wide range of schools and that was, it's very important because you can... You can sit around and read a whole lot of stuff, but until you've actually been in there, seen the kids, noticed how enthusiastic they are and how it really is a program that brings children together and everybody can be involved, you know, it's very, very powerful. It's very powerful to see it. Yes. And you can feel very... I can feel very proud that I founded this program and that it really now has its own life and it does not depend on me. And yes, a hundred percent, I I agree with you. And um, it's it's also as a motherhood statement, just to to come out. One of the great things is that it is so empowering for uh, individuals to be able to make their own nutrition uh, decisions and to have the ability to grow their own food, cook their own food, and the other thing that you um, so greatly uh, acknowledged was the fact that yes, but also to bring people to a table so you can enjoy food rather than just sit in front of a television and eat some junk food. 
Exactly. I mean, I, I think that probably is right at the heart of it all, is that I want to make the family table a lively and a happy place. Yes. And I would like to do that in a way that also encompasses fresh food and, uh, you know, sustainable practices of growing that food. But essentially, pleasure has to be part of it. Mm. There is no, nothing to be achieved, nothing will be achieved if it's done on the basis of fear or rules. You just need to get the kids really enthusiastic about all of the activities that go on and that they actually enjoy it, so they want to do it again. Can I also uh, um, acknowledge another thing that you always had right from the beginning was trust in the kids? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, and I don't think that's ever been... I don't think we've ever been let down by that. I mean, you have the odd naughty kid, <laughs> you know, but, but all you need to say is, well, look, you might not have... You might not sit down and eat today, and wow... Yeah. Does that behaviour change? Yeah, it sounds like me and when it, I was in home ec a long time ago. It's very rare that there's anything untoward. Yes. And of course, during COVID, it's been a real challenge because in many states, as we know only too well in Victoria, the schools have been closed a lot of the time. So educators have had the task of, um, at various levels, trying to keep gardens alive, keep keep resources going home for home learning and so we're very pleased that the schools the children most of the children are now back at school and i think we're probably going to see in the not too distant future and stephanie maybe you can tell me if it's really happened that there will be people it's a generational thing now you will have children of people that might have been at that first uh few kitchen foundation gardens and have learned how to cook there and perhaps that's inspired them and they want that for their children too. Well, I don't think that, don't think that, that actually happened yet. But it must I be getting close, like to, 20 years. I'd like, <laughs> I'd like to feel it could. Yeah, well, a couple more footy seasons maybe. <laughs> yes. Uh, or seasons of what crops. We do, well, certainly what we're finding, uh, we hear a lot about is the kids actually influencing home. Yes. You know, talking talking about what they've been doing and growing and tasting and sometimes that being cooked again with the family or kids making suggestions when they go shopping with their mother and so on. Mm. Again, a lot of this has been in abeyance during our COVID lockdowns, but look, life is coming back and uh, we're hopeful that 2022 will be a very positive year. Poco poco, huh? Yeah, little by little, we'll we'll go a long way with uh, with that one. Um, uh, any thoughts about uh, where you want to take uh, the foundation into the future, or where you see the kitchen foundation is going into the future, other than just growing beautifully? Well, it is going, it's growing beautifully. There are various irons in the fire to expand its impact into um, communities. Uh, none of those things are really happening as yet, but it, but as I say, I think 2022 is going to be a big year for the Foundation. Mm. I ultimately, um, you know, really, that's, I want to feel that people, more people enjoy a really great food life and are more aware of where their food comes from without sounding holier than thou. I mm-hmm. just want it to be good, sound, common sense that we look after the the planet and um, that certainly environmental sustainability is built into the program in all the activities and the resources. Um, of course, my dream would be that uh, that this program is seen as part of the, the general curriculum for every Australian child. Yeah. Now, that is, we're, that's, we're not there yet, mm. not by a long shot, but we do have broad awareness and recognition in government circles, and that's good. They, they, we talk to the right people, and they certainly respect what we're doing in schools. Well, bravo to you, Stephanie, for first of all the inspiration to get this thing doing, the application, and the enormous amount of work that you have done, as well as all the other great people that you have brought under this banner. We should acknowledge all those too, shouldn't we? Yes, absolutely. Nothing yeah. is done alone. It's, it's been a huge team effort from day one. Yeah, it is. Uh, also, if um, people want to get more information uh, about this, I would uh, 
recommend. Gee, the website's come a long way. So it has, and it's had, it's had a little bit of a refresh over the lock, uh, lockdown too. Yes. So it's looking very, very smart at the moment. I agree. Because it's also celebrating its 20 years. Yes. So kitchengardenfoundation.org.au. Yes. And you'll have more information than you can possibly know what to do with. And then you can shake a bunch of radishes at. That's right. Exactly. Um, also, uh, oh, at some stage, we, we, uh, we're probably going to run out of time. We should also acknowledge you have a uh, new book out, which I'm dying to have a look at at some stage. It's called Home. And uh, uh, just briefly, what is that one all about? Well, it's, it's, a, 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 it's a lovely book. I enjoyed writing it. It's got 200 recipes, but it's also got 10 very long essays that I've written about all sorts of things, like where are we going now or how mm. did I get here and uh, yeah. all my favourite food writers. And I was encouraged by my publishers to write discursively, and I really enjoyed doing that. And um, and I hope I think it's been very well received so far. Yeah, you said you didn't want to stop. <laughs> I think it was, it was a quote that I seen. Um, who, who's publishing that one? Pan McMillan. Good old Pan McMillan. All right. Well, so uh, if you're interested in that, people, please have a look at it. Uh, again, Stephanie, thank you for having the time with us. Congratulations again and many, many more years of success and being such a great positive influence on this country. Well, thank you, Cam, and thank you for your support, as you say, from day one. <laughs> Forrest Gump time. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Stephanie. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos, and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. Nice day, John. It's a beautiful day, Cam. For once, the sun's preceded you. Yeah, it has. And it's glorious. It's still a little bit chilly. I'm not feeling overly hot yet, but it's coming, and, and I'm looking forward to it because at the end of the day, we're going to clean the benches up. We're going to go home and stay there for 10 days. Hey, so uh, John will not be at the market uh, next week. That's right. Because you're taking a, a bit of break. Well, what are you going to do? Well, I'll chill out for a few days. Yeah. Then, if I can get motivated, I'll clean up the garden. I've got a um, a native garden. You could say it looks after itself, but it's gotten a bit straggly. So we'll get a, give it a bit of a tidy up, and we'll have. How, how native? There's there's a lemon tree in there, right? Oh, there's a lemon tree at the yeah, back. Yeah. All right. Um, but there's some beautiful succulents and um, other things and mm. other trees that don't need much water. So. But they do need a bit of a trim. Yeah. And then the food festival will be on. Mum's already promised me <laughs> pasta fagiola, which is handmade pasta with the bolotti beans. Whee! Yes. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And Frank always cooks up a storm, so yeah. it'll be beautiful. A- any other things that you've requested over this term? Well, yeah, I'll take my life into my hands again and I'll take a cauliflower home and I'll ask for a, oh, a, a parboiled and battered, battered cauliflower. cauliflower. Yeah. What do you serve that with, just out of curiosity? Oh, anything beside a steak, yeah, uh, yeah. a bit of chicken. Yeah. Um, half the time I get into trouble because as soon as it's coming out of the pan, I'm standing there eating it. So both mum and Frank can get upset and throw me out because I like it hot. And the wooden spoon comes out. Yeah, um, but also it's beautiful to eat it cold if you go on a picnic to take it with you. Mm. You know, it goes with a nice salad um, or a bit of barbecued meat. You know, there are no rules again. Yeah, yeah, well, I like that. And speaking of no rules, you confided in me uh, beforehand that you had a bit of a late night last night, which is not like you, but you said there was this... This unlikely duo, which I've never heard actually together, but it seems kind of good. So what did you have last night that was uh, an indulgence? Well, I'm a sucker for twisties, so I try not to eat them because when I do, the bigger the pack, the more I eat. Yeah, no, I'm but, um, I, I had a, a, a nice whiskey on ice. I had a Canadian club, which I hadn't had for a while. So I was sitting in my man room on my own watching a Tarzan movie. <laughs> <laughs> twisties and a whiskey. And, and twisties and a whiskey, and it was beautiful. Yeah. So nice and peaceful. Uh, I was relaxed in a good posture. Yeah. So my body was relaxing as well. And, um, yeah. I like complain. that. 
Hey, listen, we've had um, on to serious things. Um, we have had a bit of a, a weather event that um, came and tore up a lot of stuff. Uh, big, big winds, big, big hail. Uh, I'm going to be talking to Duncan Buchanan on to how that affects the wine industry, but I was just wondering, are there um, any ramifications that you know of with, um, with this mighty blow that we've had? Well, if you think we got it bad, you should see what's happened in South Australia. Yeah. Um, if you go on Insta and Google tomatoes, you'll see the videos come up. Um, there are so huge, all huge those glass houses. Glass houses. Yeah. All the panes are gone. Um, tomatoes ready to be picked. Some of the vines are, are probably 40 centimetres long. Um, they, they can't pick them because they could have shards of glass in them. Um, and it's heartbreaking when you're just ready to crop something after all that work and love and yeah, attention. That hurt, wouldn't it? It does hurt, and that's yeah. why I couldn't farm. It would break my heart. I'd, I'd be devastated first day. But these guys, yeah. they pick up their socks, they'll clean up the floor, put the roof back in, start up again, and, yeah. um, and they'll run with it. And, and they're used to it, so it's yeah. part of their lifestyle. Has this sort of stuff happened much before, that we've seen this sort of devastation to greenhouses? Uh, not often, but, yeah. you know, as the, the weather cycles go, yeah. it's not unprecedented. Uh, could happen every 10 years, every 20 years, who knows? Mm. Um, I don't even know if these guys have insurance in the olden days they used to, but you can imagine today how prohibitive insurance is, whether yeah. they'd really have cover or not. Yeah. But we pray that the, if they don't, that the government will give them assistance, because we need them. We need them, we need to eat. And, and that's a glass house. So can you imagine a poor plant out in the field, uh, probably ripped out from the ground and a couple of kilometres down the road? Yeah. So you have to feel for the boys that are outside as well. They've got to, And also they have soil loss as well. Yeah. Um, one of our long-time uh, growers was saying down the peninsula there that they lost a lot of topsoil. They had to rebuild it. This is back five years ago. Yeah. They had to rebuild it all, uh, re-nurture the soil and uh, start again. Wow, bring it back. Well, in my own personal little observations, I had uh, a little basil seedling that I've uh, had growing. It's probably about, oh, I don't know, um, five inches. And it was copying a bit. I had to bring it in in the morning. I'm sorry, mate. Come on in. And he was, he was sort of at this... This 45 degree angle for most of the day until he went, okay, I'm better now. Yeah, it's Thanks for the water. You, you do see the plants, some of them lay down, um, but they straighten up again. I think yeah. the only plant that may not is a broad bean plant. Oh, yeah. they stay, they stay, stay down, down, don't they? So yeah. Yeah. You've got to pick them up and hope that they pick up again. Mm. Uh, but pretty much a lot of the plants are resilient, even though they may seem frail. Mm. So, you know, feel for our, our farmers. Uh, when you come shopping, remember that things have happened and don't say, well, it doesn't look real good, because a fellow said to me yesterday, he said, oh, the aromas look a little bit wrinkly on his skin. I said, well, where were you when the wind was blowing? You know, even here we got affected. It was bad enough that we had about five centimetres of that woolly stuff from the plane trees rolling down every aisle and under the stalls and down our backs and everything else, so... You know, have some empathy and, and think about what you're buying and, and the condition it's in. We should always think about, if we can, the bigger picture. Of course, of yeah. course, because these things are made by nature, yeah. not by machine. So, you know, if it looks ugly, it doesn't mean that it's not still beautiful. Well, that could be one of the great quotes that you've come up with. These things are made by nature, not a machine. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's exactly. bloody true. Um, I'm holding up in front of me, this would be... Uh, it's a big bunch of asparagus. This is what they call the family bunch. Got about twelve asparagus in it. Mm. The size uh, a little bit thicker than my little finger. Yep. Uh, about about four, perfect as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, four to five hundred grams in a bunch. Yep. Uh, very tight heads. These ones came out of Mildura. We sold out of the ones from Kuwira. Uh They're both beautiful. The only problem with these is they're a little bit gritty sometimes, but you can deal with that. The flavour really makes up for it. Mm. Uh, they're nice and straight. All you need to do is brush them in oil and fry them on a griddle or a barbecue or a fry pan. A mm. uh, couple of minutes, warm them through, and away you go. I, uh, there's a new book by uh, Adam Liao, um, the MasterChef contestant. Um, I've got his everywhere on TV and, and all that stuff. He did something interesting where he had asparagus, pancetta, 
looking for a reaction. Not getting much. Okay, waiting. Uh, yeah, okay, sorry. And scallops. So yes. scallops, first of all, seared. Put to the side. And then the pancetta cooked off. And then everything's sort of just all merging together. That sounds good. It's not an overkill. No, no, it's good. Three Some, things. Three things. It's yeah, very yeah. good. Um, and, and I don't think the pancetta would take over the scallops or the asparagus. No, if mean, anything, it'd give it that little bit of gloss. And salt. And salt. Yeah. Maybe something I must try. Mm. You've inspired I will give you the recipe. I will say, um, oh, I don't know if it's that copyright. Anyway, I might. I'll wing it. I'll you, wing you never it. know. Uh, the, a picture of the recipe might come to you. <laughs> I'm sure if he's done it on TV, it'll be on the. Um, on the internet. So yeah, yeah, he does we'll good recipes. Uh, and hopefully I might even be able to get him on the show if we can drag him away from all the productions that he is doing. Um, I had my first Kensington Pride Mango yesterday. That was bloody awesome. Well, I'm going to make you jealous because I've got Go a on. box of overripe ones here from Robbie because yeah. Joseph's been saying, well, we've got no mangoes in the house. And he was panicking. <laughs> He's panicking. It's <laughs> um, only an Italian can when it comes yeah, to food. Uh, yeah, and, and especially loves uh, the, the KP. Uh, these ones are still out of Northern Territory. Yeah. There may be a lull for a week or two and then the Queensland ones will fire up again and then we'll be dripping in mangoes. Yes. Um, I'll tell you a quick story. When I first started working in the office, there was a Queenslander there, and mangoes were just starting to become popular. Mm. And she said, we sit in the gutter or the bath to eat these things. And I couldn't understand it. Yeah. Uh, and then when there was an abundance, and I ate very right mangoes, I understand, you have to be careful. You can't wear a white shirt. Uh, it dribbles <laughs> down the side. And, and the more the dribbles, the better it is. Yeah, oh, gosh. Um, well, oh, is that the time already? Listen, I'm going to have to uh, race off pretty, pretty soon because uh, we've got to get Dunky on the line. Hey, uh, let's do pick of the market. Okay, pick of the market this week. Everyone's been buying Mini Roma Truss, the other Cherry Truss and the other Heirlooms, even the Murray Bridge to have a big salad. A lot of people have been having barbecues or even going away for the weekend and they've been taking all the beautiful tomatoes with them. So that means we've also sold a lot of cucumbers, um, fennel, uh, fancy lettuces. We've had some beautiful red lettuce, um, butter lettuce, green oak lettuce, mm. um, and everything else. You know, we've been so lucky. Everything's been beautiful still, and I'm sure that everything will recover quickly. We've been eating the uh, yellowy, bright yellow candy melon uh, from across the road, and yesterday I took a honeydew home for something different. Mm. But all the melons have been beautiful. There's a, still an abundance of mangoes, citrus fruit galore. You name it, it's here. Come and have a look. Pick out what you like. Have a feast. It's all there. It's all there. Um, have a great time off. I hope you get... Uh, I do hope you get your battered cauliflower. I will, I will. Don't I worry. Will, don't you worry. There's yeah. will this way. There will, yeah, hey, yeah. Like there, Vita. There, there are the right things to say to get what you want. <laughs> And with that, we're going back to the studio. Thanks, John. Thank you. Have a beautiful week. Independent Melbourne Radio 3 Triple R. So now it's time for Duncan Buchanan's Wonderful World of Wine. Yeah! All right! Mm-mm. You know it. I think we're. Here he is. I think we're happier listening to that music than talking to Duncan. Yeah! Actually, maybe we'll just... Let's just play this. There should be more clavinet in rock. And there should be more Riesling on vines, because that's what Duncan says. What the... Who the hell are you? And what have you done with my mate Cam Smith? All of a sudden you're saying Riesling is a good thing? You've changed, man. Yeah, I know. It's... uh, I had a haircut, and it's... uh, it's uh, it's just changed over all the neurons in my head, and, oh, I, and I now I, I want to invest in uh, in a German Schloss company. That's a good idea. Now I had a, um, I had a haircut. Oh, 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 oh! What have you done there? What have you done? You, you, you. I, just, I just got a cut. Oh, there you go. You're back again. <laughs> just say all that again, Duncan. Yeah, it, repeat. You just went a bit weird on us. Um, I did get a haircut the other day. Oh, I did that too. Yeah, heads of fun. Heads of fun. Have you got a head on the Instagram to show your new haircut? No, no, I'm not really. The one thing that um, 
this whole pandemic thing has made me realise is that a face mask is a good thing for a bloke like myself. Oh, it covers the, it covers, the front, covers the front part of my head. Ah, oh, stop it. Those rugged individualistic looks of yours. I, I think they call it a lived-in face. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Of course, well. without notice, we get, we get so I thought about this the other day. Being the Melbourne um, Spring Racing Carnival, I'm going to pose a question to you guys. Have you ever eaten horse? Or part thereof. No. No. No, done. the uh, the the meat en chevaux. The uh, the French, of course, are, are very very fond of it. And yep. and bear in mind that don't forget it's National Vegan Day tomorrow. Thank God. No. Not, actually, it's a good thing we're not talking about that tomorrow. <laughs> uh, but yeah, well, why do you ask, Duncan Buchanan? I'm just curious. I never have. I, I was musing um, about some lovely steak tartare that I'd had with Lucy the other day, and I thought, didn't they used to make steak tartare out of um, horse? But I wonder if Cam, only if it's a spring racing carnival, whether you guys had eaten any of it. No, anyway, and, and I can season. say that, uh, of course, Tata, of course, comes from uh, Genghis and his uh, wily band of uh, uh, rapers and pillagers. Uh, yep. And uh, Wily band of rapers and pillagers. Hey, it's what we do. Hey, it's my, my business card. Um, yeah. But but moving along, we had uh, a bit of a wild weather event that uh, I was yeah. talking to with John. Don't know if you heard. He said that yeah, he was talking about how there was great damage to a lot of the glass houses and tomato grows around there. But uh, the the vines have copped a bit of a hiding too, haven't they? Yeah, they have. It's been look, I had a good ring around. It just it seems to be a very localised thing again. Like that that weather went everywhere. We wore, the, as you know, I'm on the Mornington Peninsula. We wore a huge amount of it. It was like a war zone here. It was like it was genuinely, you know, kind of scary. Mm. There's a lot of a lot of trees around me, and uh, just those how high those winds were. Uh, and it seems that, yeah, there's a lot of uh, shoot damage because shoots are fairly. Uh, tender and not all that tough at the moment, so they can get knocked about, especially if there's some trellising, so they can snap when they've been yeah, hit up against that. Yeah, yeah, and it's um, uh, but I had a bit of a ring around just to see how it was going, and the damage wasn't as widespread as I thought, guys. It was uh, like Great Western, I, you know, spoke to the guys from Best out there. Is there any damage? No, no. I thought it must have, you know, gained a bit of intensity on the way down here. Um, Geelong um, didn't seem to suffer too badly. Um, and I'm, I'm doing this in the vineyards around um, around Melbourne because that's where the brunt of the storm was. I know King mm. Gully was relatively untouched as well, but they, I thought there'd be a lot more damage to vines. And Werribee? Like, you know, uh, Shatterfax no, and all that sort of stuff? They would have copped some. They would have copped some wind, but it wasn't. There wasn't the damage that we thought. The main, the main bits of damage. I was having a chat with Barney Flanders this morning. Barney Flanders. Barney Flanders. Mister Garagista. God, I haven't seen him in a bloody bloody ten years. I reckon. How is he? Has he he finally worked out how to do a decent pinot? <laughs> I think you'll be listening. You know what I've got to be talking about. You might yeah. be listening. You'll be, oh, be storming around the joint. Oh, Barney, you know I love you, and I'm just taking the piss, mate. He makes beautiful wines. Yeah. No, it does it very good. Yeah. I always say about Barney, he's like the ugly little sister I never needed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> for some reason, no, I, I'm seeing Barney in a dress for something. i really got to get that image oh, out of my mind. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. That's, that'll put you off for everyone. That's wine. red but, satin. Um, hmm. He, um... But he was saying he had, he, and this has been a bit of a common story. Not so, there's been damage to shoots and vines, but the biggest headache has been trees falling into vineyards. Yeah, so, you know, you know, just the, uh, especially the smaller ones that we'd be looking at around, you know, the, the regions around Melbourne. A lot of times they're surrounded by trees. Mm. So if you've got a massive pine or a massive, you know, eucalypt or some such or some such thing that falls down into your vineyard, that's going to that's going to be a lot of damage. To the infrastructure too, so that's that's where the headaches come into it. And Barney had, had just finished retrellising a particular section of his vineyard. Oh uh, no! So, yeah, a tree fell into it. That's you know, so it's just a, the damage to the assets is a big thing. But um, I know I'd encourage anyone just before we get too away from too far away from the what was going on in the Barossa. Mm. And the, the hailstorms that came through there, it's just decimated uh, you know, the, a lot of the Barossa. They just won't have a vintage. There'll be nothing left there. You just, you, and some of, the, some of the Adelaide Hills too. No vintage? They absolutely, 
not well. Things just get so badly damaged that you just from here on through. It's a it's a game. If that's severely um, damaged, um, it's a game of just nursing your vineyard through. You'll have all these. The hail hits your shoots. You, it gives you like a scar, like a wound, and that's really really prone to getting disease. Yeah. So what you, what you've got to be doing from here on through is just maintaining uh, the healthier canopies in order to, that they can just grow for the full season and, you know, pick up the pieces next year. Because if you get, if you're getting disease headaches this early on, um, once you get to autumn and all your leaves drop and you're starting to get carbohydrates put back into storage to get the, um, so the vines will start to grow the following season, um, if, that, if that's interrupted, it can, it can impact the following season. So that, you know, I really... I feel for anybody in any agricultural sense in this, with these sort of um, weather events that we're having, but we only get, as grape growers, we only get one crop a year. Yeah. So, you know, if that one's knocked about this early on, you sort of, there's the uh, bit of a you know, slump of shoulders that goes, and it's like, right, how do, how do we make the best out of this? And and also the the slump of shoulders, especially around Adelaide, I mean, let's face it, we had, uh, what was it 2019, yeah. uh, smoke taint, uh, and then the crazy thing is some fires going through and the heat being so intense that the vines were destroyed, which was um, uh, – that was another wake-up call for me. It was like, wow, I haven't heard of that. I mean, I've, we've heard of smoke taint coming through uh, and I've heard of uh, vineyards being singed but never actually killing off the vines because a grapevine is a tough old thing, isn't it? Oh, man, I've been trying to kill them for 30 years, and they just they refuse to die. They're one of the toughest plants you can get. Yeah. And uh, when you see that that happen to them, I was at um, Gippsland last week, week before, mm. and caught up with some people at um, Tisney Lakes Entrance. They had a grass fire whip through there in 2019. Just a great, you know, you think a grass fire sort of whipped through, but, you know, they're like 30-year-old pinot vines out there, and a lot of them aren't, aren't bouncing back. And it's like, man, it's just, you know, that's what it takes to sort of knock those around. And... Like, as you said, Cam, they they're a tough old plant. Mm. The, the older they are, the tougher they are because they've got these, um, you know, these, these root systems. Are, you know, you, you look at that, um, how much is above the ground of a great plant. It's really not that much, but it's because we prune them back every year. So you've got this, in some cases, you have these monstrous root systems underneath that help them get through. Oh, yeah. But, um, how, how, uh, how deep do these root systems go? How uh, deep is your love, Cam? The, um... <laughs> sorry. Yeah, sorry. Wrong key. It, it, depends, it depends on the soil. Like, um, I've, are we talking? Uh, we talking six inches? We talking uh, thirty meters? Okay, they can go from meters as long as the soil is, yeah, good enough to let that root penetration go through. Really? Um, they can they can go miles down. They can go meters and meters down into the soil, and that's that's the thing that. The thing we've said so often said, Cam, you, know, you can't plant an old grapevine. You've got, to, yeah. you've got to stick it in the ground and just let it happen. And that's and, why, um, say, in um, in France, where they're, you know, just grown on the crappiest soils, like, you know, on chalk and stone and yep, and yep. <laughs> that, they, that they can make it, you know? And oh, they, they just they eke out an existence. It's, it's, it's incredible. They're such some of the most resilient plants you're ever going to find. Yeah. So, um, so that's the thing. You've got those, if you've got those older vines with those root systems that go a fair way down, they're, they're a lot more resilient to just about everything. But, mm. you know, a really, really good dose of fire mm. is um, yeah, it's going to knock around a lot of things, no matter how old they are, I reckon. Yeah, I, uh... Duncan, twelve fifty-five here on Three Triple R FM. We're coming towards the end of the show and eat it. Uh, one thing: uh, next week, I'm going to be having a chat with uh, climatologist Dr. Lynette Betio from the Bureau of Meteorology. And one of the things that seems to be coming to the fore is that there is a, a likelihood of a, a very great likelihood that the La Nina is going to continue for this summer. And I just yep. wonder what your thoughts were with uh, uh, with that. So we're looking increased rainfall, uh, flooding events possibly, uh, but I guess maybe an amelioration from really, really full-on heat and dry. 
Yeah, and that's 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 a bit of a it's a bit of a double-edged sword, I suppose. It's, sort of, it's, it's wet at the moment, so people mm. are having to get out and you know, keep their crops protected by spraying them. Mm. And uh, but it's, it's difficult to get your tractor into the vineyard because it is so wet. You just end up with these big wheel ruts everywhere. So this end of the season when it's really wet, that makes it it makes it harder. But you're absolutely you're 100 right. We had this last year. Mm. Once you get to that, once you get into um, picking season. Uh, grapes like to ripen in well, most. A lot of grape varieties like to ripen in sort of cooler weather. So if mm. we can get this, if we've got that kind of end of the season, hopefully we can make something of it. But we've just, you know, these, you know, there's a, still like going on. They're predicting frost. Well, um, uh, Great Western got touched up with frost a couple of weeks ago. I know Bastard and they're, they're on high at the moment for frost because that, you know, and that again, that can just destroy a crop too. So there's a lot to get through before we get that far. But the yeah, there's. It's just. It's. It was looking really good. Just a few difficulties of late that have sort of come up. But you know, yeah. as you know, John said um, on his report, he said, yeah, just how resilient agricultural people are. So, okay, my hot house got blasted to smithereens by some hail. Don't know. I'll put them up. Yeah, I'll fix them up. I'll put them I'll get up again and uh, we'll we'll start again, and uh, and you had a bit of a nice story to to finish up on. You were telling me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was up in um, Beechworth earlier in the week, and there's a bloke up there who's bought this property that had one of the original Beechworth vineyards on it. This is well, from the nineteenth century type vineyard. Yeah, I, I think you know the, the original vineyard's not there, but this guy bought the property. And then he and he said, I might, might like to put this vineyard back in. He found some old photos from back in the 1860s and 70s of this vineyard and that was on his property. And the old stone wall that was around it was still there, but in, you know, obviously fallen down a bit. So he's reconstructed the wall and replanted this vineyard in the same way that it would have been planted back in the 1860s. So it's a very... A very Rhone style of um, planting the planting vines. They're very close together. They don't have like that fence trellis type thing that people might be a bit more familiar with. They've yep. just got a stake in the ground that they grow up. Oh, so they're just clumps. And, uh, <laughs> they're, they're, they're called uh, bush vines. So they're just there's one stake, and they just they t- they tie the foliage up to these stakes as they go along. But get this in the in the um, in the photos that this guy found of the of his property, mm-hmm. he's still got there's I think there's a couple of plums and a couple of mulberry trees that are still there from that were, that were on the property when these photos were taken over a hundred years ago. No way. What? So he's got these really old trees, and um, he's, he's you know he's sort of re he's re um, reestablished this vineyard and, and reinvigorating and, and and doing it. Hey, Dunky, we you know we're going to have to cut it off there, buddy. Good to chat to you guys. Big hugs to your dugs. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Dunky, Enjoy thank you very, very much. Um, and look forward to catching up with you soon. Thanks, mate. There he is, our wine scribe with his yeah. own theme, which Cat- was great. And catching trees as they fall onto his vineyard. Next week, Cam. Matt Preston. Matt Preston. And... Former Triple R graveyarder, Matt Preston. Yes. Did you know that? He did well. Yeah. He's he's done well. Of course, Dr. Lynette Bettio, as I've yes. mentioned before, still here, is on after this. Matt, it's been a joy to see you. Likewise. And we'll catch you soon. Let's do it. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. 